Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thank you for tuning in. It is Josh Carey. Hidden Entrepreneur Show, coming to you with another extraordinary guest. We just spent a little bit of time before we went on the air just comparing notes. And my goodness, is this a, an ideal, an ideal guest, I would say. It's Brian Clayton, who's the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal, which builds themselves as the Uber of lawn care. Right? What's going on, Brian? Hey, Josh. Great to be here, man. Great introduction, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. We have so much to get to. I know that as we were just comparing notes before the mics turned on, I was literally scribbling in the few minutes just all these sound bites because uh, I'm like, yep, that'll work. Wow, we could touch on that. So I want to start with you as a guest on shows because through PodMax, that's really what we, what we teach, what we preach, what we do. We live and breathe that. We understand the benefit for entrepreneurs and business owners to get themselves uh, as guests. You told me you, you average about one guest spot a day day. How has that process been for you as a person and the quote unquote ROI for your business? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I've been on, yeah, like 70 this year. Um, and I average now one a day. I started, I started doing uh, podcast interviews, I guess, uh, right after COVID hit. And, and, you know, I was just looking for a way to, to, to interact uh, with people uh, virtually. So um, for me, it's, it's more of a it's more of like a high level macro reason that, that I do it. Like I believe like those who give receive. And so mm. I feel like if I'm able to share my story, uh, I I've started very like humble background, humble beginnings, starting and selling my first business and now my second business. And if I'm able to share that story, what I've done over the last 20 years and help people like save um, uh, mistakes that I've made and like help people be successful. I feel like, in a way, it makes it levels me up. It makes me more successful. So, ninety nine percent of the reason I do is I do it is just because I like sharing my experience. I like helping other entrepreneurs, and I've made a lot of friends and connections over the last seven months doing this that otherwise would have never happened. So, in a way, it kind of helps me kind of create my own luck and manufacture some momentum, and it also helps me externalize my ideas around. Uh, thoughts about entrepreneurship, thoughts about building a business from scratch. It kind of solidifies my belief systems. And so that's, that's really why I do it. Um, and I enjoy doing it. It's something that's fun for me. And I'd rather do this and sit down and write a blog post. Um, I, I'm not a big, I don't really enjoy writing, but I do enjoy doing this. You said that doing this helps solidify your belief systems. What are some of those? Yeah. So for me, like I'm a, I have a blue collar background. Uh, I started my first business, which was just a lawn mowing business, grew it to over 150 people, got it over $10 million in revenue and I got it sold. And so I did over that over a 15 year period of time. And, 
And for me, a lot of like the principles of business just just really go back to hustle, grit, determination, uh, some sort of fanaticism to like build something great. Like these are like my beliefs around starting a business and like sharing them help solidify those. And not everybody believes that. Not everybody believes that you have to like hustle hard and like in the first few years of of starting a business that you can have this thing called work-life balance. I don't believe that. But it doesn't necessarily make it true. But as I tell my story and I, and I help other entrepreneurs, it kind of helps me. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's right. And so it kind of helps me kind of solidify my thoughts and my strategies on, on how, do you, how do you get your first 100K in revenue? How do you go from a million to $10 million in revenue? Like sharing those and how I did it and how I'm doing it now, like it helps, it helps me level up as a business owner. Is the first million the hardest and then it gets easier as that saying goes? Yeah, well, uh, one of my favorite quotes is Charlie Munger, who is uh, Warren Buffett's right-hand man, mm-hmm. and he says the first 100,000 is a, is a bitch. Like, the first 100,000 is the hardest. If you can get the first 100,000, like, done and in the bank, then, then, then you can, like, plot your course. And so, may, yeah, the first million is definitely the hardest, but maybe the first 100,000 might be harder because in many ways – it's harder to run a $250,000 a year business than it is a $10 million a year business. And so, and so like those first like early days of scratching together your first like, like hundred customers though, to me, a lot of times that's the hardest part of the journey. Once you get some revenue going and you kind of understand systems and processes, you can delegate and kind of manufacture some more momentum. But, but the cold start is the hardest part from my experience doing it twice. Is the reason 250000 is harder than a million because in that first chunk, you're still just figuring things out. And then from the two fifty to $1 million, you have figured out something that works. And now the job is to sort of replicate, scale, and grow that process. Yeah, if you're doing it right. Um, so a lot of, a lot of people get stuck at a certain point. I know I have been. And so uh, like there's this, there's this balance of, of working in your business and on your business. And so the first like 100K, half million dollars in revenue, it's going to be like 95% you working in your business. And a lot of people get stuck there. They just work mm. in their business for 10 or 20 years. And what they don't realize is, is that they don't have a business. They have, they're self-employed. They, they've, they've made themselves a job. And that's fine. That's, there's nothing wrong with that if, if that's your goal. Like not everybody has to have these like visions of building a huge company. Um, but if you want to build a business, you have to like – you have to allocate time during the week, whether it's a couple hours a day or maybe Saturday or Sunday to work on your business. And that's to take like inventory of what is it your business is doing? What are the daily routines? Uh, what is it that you're doing better than your competitors? And like codifying processes and systems around these activities. And then uh, ideally like delegating those to people who have the roles and the goals to execute those processes that you're kind of crafting in your experience and knowledge of building the business from scratch. And that's you, kind of how you get from one to 10. Yeah, wow. You've labeled yourself uh, from the humble beginnings uh, as a blue-collar worker, now turned into a tech entrepreneur. In your first business that you wound up growing to 10 million revenue and then selling, amazing. Did you go in from early on in the beginning saying, I see an exit here? Or were you just doing it to support yourself? What was your view going in? 
That's, that's a really good question. I think there's like seasons of the, of the journey and like you, you kind of like crystallize whatever it is you're trying to do as, as time goes on. You know, ideally I'd have started that business day one with an exit plan. You know, I could have probably done it in half the, half the time, but I didn't. For me, you know, I was just a high school kid cutting lawns to make some money. Uh, and I grew that, you know, little by little over time. And then I went to college and I put myself through college uh, cutting grass. And then after I graduated college, I was like, man, if I go into the job market, I'm going to take a pay cut because I'm doing pretty good mowing yards and I had, you know, I'm like, literally I'm, I'm making pretty good money just mowing grass. I would show up to school with like grass all over me, but I didn't awesome. care because, because I was, I was doing well. And so then I decided, okay, well, let's make a real business out of this. And then I did, I did lay out a, a, a five-year business plan. I figured, okay, this is where I want to be in five years. And I, and I, I laid out that plan and I didn't execute it perfectly, but I did have some sort of plan that I was working towards. And then after that, uh, I, quite frankly, like building that business, it was more, uh, I just wanted to make something of myself. And mm. I think like business is the vehicle that pretty much anybody can make something of yourself. Like you might be like me with no talent, like, like, you, you know, I can't, I'm not, I, I can't sing, dance, write, act, you know, I can't do it. I, I don't have no musical talent, but like business, if you just apply yourself and learn the processes and execute and hustle and grind and have the determination, it is the vehicle that anybody in America can make something of themselves. And so that's really what, what drove me for 15 years building that, that business. I grew it into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee. And so for me, like it was an extension of who I am. It was an extension of, I was proud of it. It was uh, really, really part of my DNA. And that was what kept me going uh, for most of the, of the journey, building that business and growing it. it was almost like an ego, uh, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and then I got to a point where I plateaued. I built it as big as I could. And I was like, okay, it's time to sell this and do the next thing. And that took about, from the moment I made the decision to sell the business, it took a little over two years to actually get it done. Wow. You admitted that um, part of the reason, yeah, you said ego, but then also you said part of the reasons that you went into it was because you saw this as a vehicle to make something of yourself. Mm, was, there, right. was there something growing up as a child that you felt that there was something in that direction to fill that void for yourself? Yeah, you know, like to really like unpack that, I mean, I wasn't the popular kid in school. I got bullied. Um, I, you know, like I, uh, I, and maybe that was like a part of my psychology. Like, I'm going to show you guys, yeah. I'm going to do something. And, uh, and maybe like the first five years is, is that's, that's what it was, was like, this is the thing that I'm going to do uh, to level up in life, to leave all of you guys behind. And I'm going to actually create something from scratch. And I'm going to show everybody that I can do it. And, uh, and I had a goal, like I was, uh, I was mowing yards in a very wealthy part of town, uh, in my, in, in, when I was a teenager and when I was in my early twenties, uh, this was where all the wealthy people in town lived. And I had a goal. I was like, I'm going to live in this damn neighborhood by the time I'm 30 years old. Awesome. And, and, and uh, and I'm going to have a Ferrari in the garage. And that was my goal. And, uh, I just worked my ass off and I got it by 29. And so that was a lot of fun for me to like achieve that, set that goal out and achieve it. Then I got all that stuff and realized that none of that matters. But I think, I think you got to do that to understand that. And like, so now like none of that even matters to me now, like 10 years later, but, but that was like the chip on my shoulder that I had, like getting that first business going. All right, a couple things there. First of all, if you're only tuning into the audio version of this, we're recording on video. And you said, Brian, that you were bullied 
as a child. I don't think stepping up to uh, to the build you're showing off here that anybody would bully you. But this is n new. <laughs> uh, well, maybe. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe today. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I can still get my butt kicked. But but back then. Yeah. Yeah. I was picked on a lot in high school. And, you know, I mean, a good thing it happened because if I was the jock, the popular kid, I may not have had that ambition and, mm. and I would be uh, doing a lot of doing probably the same thing that those guys are doing today. I love the analogy of that. A, you were, you were mowing lawns in wealthy neighborhoods, mm. which then gave you the desire, the motivation, the vision for, you know what, that's going to be my kind of house one day. And then you, you just put the, uh, the cherry on top with the Ferrari. Um, <laughs> now, what else does it take aside from that determination and that goal? You can't just set it and forget it, right? Were you then yeah, continuing yeah. some visualizations? What did you really do in order to really get that at 29? I think a lot of uh, a lot of success is is a balance between that that visualization, the the manifestation, if you will, like like placing that in the future. Like it's a balance between that and then like the daily grind and hustle and holding yourself accountable to get stuff done on a daily basis. Like a lot of times, uh, business like entrepreneurs, especially this new generation of them, will it's either or, and they just want to like manifest this stuff, or somebody's gonna put them on and like that they, they skip over this other part that quite frankly nobody talks about which is like it's going to be five years before you have anything going uh you're going to have to work for free maybe for the first year or two on this business because all the money you're making you got to pump back into it so i think it's a balance of those two things for me um i was always just I, I was always just never satisfied with how things were, were, were going and I always wanted to make them better and I always wanted to improve. Uh, my dad gave me a book uh, in the early 2000s called Good to Great. Oh, and yeah, of I, course, I, Jim Collins. Love that book. You know, I read that book and, and kind of some of the concepts in that book of relentless, constant improvement and like a, the flywheel effect at the core of your business, trying to figure out what it does and how that reinforces everything. A lot of those concepts were like really fundamental to me in terms of how I built that first company and, and got it, got it uh, to a point where I could sell it. And now even to this day, 20 years later, building GreenPal, you know, these fundamentals uh, that are in that book, Good to, Good to Great, are part of my ethos as a business owner to, to constantly improve, constantly figure out what we're the best in the world at, and just execute and, and hold ourselves accountable year over year to, to get better and better and better. I, uh, I'm not surprised that you brought up Good to Great. Um, I just got done reading Built to Last. Oh, that's an awesome book too, yeah. Which is sort of their, um, and I think there's a third one that they, that they sort of package as like a trilogy, but they're sort of related, right? Like a, mm -hmm. like a follow-up to, so Good to Great, Built to Last yeah. by Jim Collins. Um, yeah, another yeah. concept in that book is the concept of the 20-mile march, which is, which is that business is a marathon. Business is a 20-mile march like the military would do. It's not a sprint. You just got to be willing to look at it like for the long game. Like I mentioned a minute ago, it's going to take five years to really get the momentum behind you. You have to look at it like an infinite game. Like you're going to be at this a long time and it's going to be, it's going to be at it as long as it takes to win. Oh, yeah. Those are some of the things that have gotten me, you know, over a 20 year period of time to a point where, where I, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like it's fun now. Like, you know, in the, you know, now I enjoy growing my businesses. Whereas, you know, I don't like, you know, in the early years, it's very much a, an exercise of a faith and it's not pleasant. But now if you, if you stick with it long enough, you can get to a point where it's fun. I want to ask about the, the topic of self-worth 
And what struck me was that you said you were mowing lawns in wealthy neighborhoods. And I know that uh, there might be a listener tuning in. We all go through these where you just don't value yourself enough to price accordingly, to really show up with confidence, your product or service. And that's really a hindrance. Was there something specific about you mowing lawns in wealthy neighborhoods as was that like your specific ideal client for the higher end premium service? Yeah, luckily, you know, the, these these were the people spending the money that 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 could afford the services I was offering. Um, and, and back then, you know, lawn mowing was a luxury. Uh, and, you know, today it's very much a commodity. And that's kind of what Green Pal does is it makes it to where anybody can just push a button and get their grass cut for 25 bucks. But back then, uh, it was a luxury. And so this is the these are the wealthy parts of town. These are the people that were living in million dollar you know, plus houses. And, uh, and, and so luckily I was kind of exposed to that and I would walk the property with a guy who owned an insurance business in town. And, and, uh, he might've, you know, he might've had a $10 million business and I'm w- interacting with this guy and I'm like, this guy's no smarter than me. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's taken some risks and he's done some good, smart things, but like, he's literally no smarter than me and I'm not that smart. And, uh, so like, this is inspiring. So it was great to be exposed to that at a young age. It was, it, it, it brought the, the dream within, within grasp and it also kind of like inspired me in a way. And so like, for me, like the joy of life is purpose. And for me, my businesses are all always like part of that purpose uh the you know like this is my baby this is my thing i want to see it it, it, i want to see it grow and i want to i want to like prove to myself i can do it and then as you grow a business uh, you understand that this business is no longer about you you have employees and stakeholders and and then you understand wow that like if i mess this up i'm going to mess it up for a lot of people and so then the purpose really gets magnified of why it's important for you to constantly like read books like good to great and watch podcasts like this one and and get out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and be in the office you know like the purpose really starts to take shape as you as you grow the business and so that's one reason why I love business because it can it can extend that purpose to you uh, as a way to like make something of your life. Hey there, entrepreneurs! Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and i hope to see you at the next podmax event you've just outlined the the necessity the bare minimum necessity of things you have to do if you claim to want to want this Uh, i know personally that i've wanted this much of my life i had that that passion and desire in me uh, from a very young age to to build a business, to serve, to create, to become something, a lot of like what you're saying. But then I would find myself 
self-sabotaging these moments. So I would logically know what I have to do, but then as things would start getting decent and I saw good opportunity, I would shoot myself in the foot and sabotage the moment. Has that ever played a part in your world? Yeah, you know, you, there's highs and lows of, of, of starting a business. You know, you go through points where you're like, man, am I wasting my time? Am I doing the right thing? Um, I, you know, like my, I'm, I'm ki- killing myself doing this and I'm not making any money. And like you almost uh, in a weird way, like wish that, it, you know, something would happen and you just have to quit. Um, and so like, yeah, getting through that, that those parts are, are, are challenging. I've had them in both businesses. Um, uh, for me, like the thing that's always kept me at it, it's like, okay, well, this is my best idea and I'm just going to work on my best idea. And that's all that I'm going to do. And so by default, I can't quit because I'm not going to like work on another idea because this is my best one. And I'm just going to stay at this. And, and so like, that's, what's gotten me through the, the low periods. Um, and then, you know, you get through it and like, you know, it's, 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 it's not like a linear progression. It's, it's up and down all the way up. And, and like, for me, like, um, yeah, we're all in this to make money, but like money can't be your primary motivator. Like you have to have something bigger. It has to be like an irrational, almost like magnificent obsession to like prove it to yourself or prove it to other people or to see it be successful. Um, so that that's what's gotten me through a lot of the low times. It's like this irrational obsession to make something great. Uh, and it's, and luckily that's been there for me. Um, now, you know, I've got, a, I've got a company that, you know, several hundred thousand people use this, this platform. I, I, we've got 10,000 service providers that use wow. it to make a lively livelihood. And that gives me purpose. That gives me like reason to get out of bed in the morning. And we you know we started seven years ago. We ended our first year with 23 customers, half of them, were my friends and family. And, and so like, like that was very humble. And like, so looking back seven years ago, it still feels like day one, but it's, it's fun to see that progression. And something that like has gotten me through a lot of this, this, these times is like, I asked myself the question, if, if it weren't for me, X. And so it's like, okay, if it, if I don't get out of bed in the morning and like work on this thing, mm. well then these employees that I have are going to have to go get a job somewhere else. Um, these people that use this thing that I built, uh, aren't going to be able to use it anymore. And, you know, like in a case of our business, like we have people that depend on us to build good technology so they can make a living. Like all these people are going to be like in a jam if I don't make this happen. So if it weren't for me, X, like it, it, it always enable, it always is like help propel me through the dark periods. And I still use that to this day. Incredible. You, like we said, you, um, you had to reinvent yourself from a blue collar worker into now a tech entrepreneur. And as we were talking earlier, you mentioned that you and your co-founders had to learn yourself how to code and create and develop the, the platform that is. And I, I asked, well, what, why wouldn't you take the other option and hire that task instead of really trying to learn it yourself. Tell us that story. Yeah, you, you just nailed it. So, you know, when we started GreenPal, like I'm coming off the back of, of, a, of a $10 million business, 150 people, 70, 80 trucks going out every day. Like I had three mechanics that worked for me, did nothing but fix 
broken trucks and oh, all that's cool. so it was very much like blue collar you know dirty hands uh hand-to-hand combat in the trenches like that was what i knew about business and so um i thought okay well sold that now i want to start something else um I, you know i see apps they're doing great things for you know, uber's doing great things for ride sharing airbnb's doing these cool things for accommodations like i should just start an app you know, why not? And, uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so that naivete kind of like got me in the game. And I thought we genuinely had the belief that we would just pay a development shop in Nashville to build green pal. And then we would market it and we would just like be off and running. And we spent $150,000 to build the first version of green pal. My two co-founders and I did not know how to code, but we figured we'll just have y'all do it. And, uh, we launched it and it was a total flop. Nobody could figure out how to use it. It was clunky. It didn't like have the features it needed. It didn't like, it didn't really work. Uh, it was more trouble than it was worth to use what we had than just to try to like call 20 people. And so, uh, we, we like, were confronted with the reality of if we want to like be a tech startup and like build the technology product, we got to learn how to do this stuff. And we just decided, okay, well, we're going to read every blog post, take every online class, watch every YouTube video, do everything we can to learn how to code. My co-founder actually went to a uh, night and weekend boot camp here in Nashville. That was nine months, learned back-end programming. I learned front-end programming. And over like a two or three year period of time, we, we worked in the business, like trying to like cobble this thing together and worked on ourselves in terms of learning the skills we had to learn. And that's where this concept of like work-life balance comes into play. Like in the early days, you got to work 80, 90 hour weeks because half of the time you're going to be working on the business. The other half, you need to be like learning skills to level up, to do this thing. And so for us, it was six, seven days a week, three, four years. It was three years before we paid ourselves anything. Um, and, and it was an exercise of faith to get to that journey of reinventing ourselves as business owners, learning the skills we needed to learn to, to, to play this game while building green pal again. And, uh, we just celebrated the small victories and just kept going. We didn't give up. And that's, you know, that's why we're here today. Seven years later, we're kind of like a seven year overnight success. That's yeah. Like I said, we um, coming from the acting and film world, you hear the same thing. Uh, An actor will make it. You'll see them on the big screen. And then it's like, oh, look at this overnight success. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, that's that's nowhere near the story. You don't know the seven, 10, 15 plus years of struggle and dark, depressing moments of not getting the audition, but continuing to show up so they can finally arrive on that screen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like or comedians are a good, good example, too. Like some comedian will come out of nowhere where he's got a he's got a special on netflix like where'd this guy come from he's pretty funny yeah and yeah what you don't understand is like they were they were doing sets in front of one or two people in a smoky like dive uh you know for 20 20 years ago and so it's like there's no shortcuts and you know if it appears like it's an overnight success a lot of times it's part of a longer journey that got them to the start um, you know, even if you look at like tech companies that are selling for like nine figures or, or billions of dollars, what you don't understand is like a lot of times that founding team is on their second or third failure uh, before they started the one that, that made it. And so it's not like it took them three years. It took them 10 to figure this thing out. And so the moral of the story is get started because it takes a long time and just don't give up. Hmm. You've mentioned that especially in your experience, that running these businesses has turned you into a better person. Mm. 
Tell yeah, me about that. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, business is like the most like relentless feedback machine you will ever find. Like unvarnished, candid feedback. You suck. <laughs> yes. Yes, you it's so true. And that's the Right. You suck and you got to fix these things. Uh, like and people won't tell you that stuff unless you like pay them. And, you know, you pay a good coach who's going to really tell you what your blind spots are. But business won't. The market is just relentlessly brutal with what what you need to do. And so for me, my businesses are always an extension of who I am. I, I In a way, I take this stuff personally. Like if my product isn't polished, I feel like I'm sloppy. And so for me, it, 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 I, you know, you don't want to take it personally. You just want to take it and learn from it. And, and that's what's caused me to like be a better person. It's caused me to have some humility because I, I don't know what I don't know. And I, I realize, wow. And the more I learn, the more I realize how much I, I, I have to learn. And so I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not started Green Pal seven years ago or, or my landscaping company 20 years ago. I, I just wouldn't be as, uh, as wise and, and have some humility um, and the ambition reinforces itself. Like all of these things that I, I kind of like take pride in, I wouldn't have if it wasn't for business. Tell us about a, a darker moment I've run uh, The Hidden Entrepreneur um, on the idea that I've spent a lifetime hiding behind fear, really using that as the excuse to not move forward with what I knew darn well I was actually capable of doing, but I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to make you feel insecure or envious in any way of what I was doing because that mm. might cause you to act out and retaliate against me. And mm. gosh, if you did, I wouldn't have had the strength to stick up for myself like I felt so much of my life until finally, you know, my story, the kids, my two adoring children showed me a better way. And I said, got it. Yes. Big light bulb here. Now's the time. I'm not going to continue to be that person. And, and yeah. here we are. When was the time that you were struck with fear and you acknowledged it and you could have gone in either direction? Several times, you know, it's almost like this stuff pops up uh, on, on a continual basis. Over a 20 year period of time, something is going to come up every year, two, three years to, that's going to test you. You know, in Green Pal, the moment I mentioned when we, we pissed away $150,000 on the first version, and this was like money on credit cards and stuff. Uh, I was very careful selling that first business. I, I locked everything I had down and, and, and I didn't want to like dump all of that into my second business because I didn't, quite frankly, I didn't want to go back to picking up a weed eater ever again. Mm. And, and so, um, you know, this was, that was a punch in the gut. Uh, so that, that was tough. Um, running, you know, running that first business, hundreds of employees, uh, uh, navigating that business through the 2008 financial crisis was really, really challenging. Uh, because all of my customers went out of business overnight. Nobody was building anything. Uh, everybody was cutting back. Uh, and so a lot of my, my, my revenue got cut in half by like 80%. And so I've got all these people that I've got to try to like figure out a way to pay. And it was one Sunday night, payroll was due the next morning. And it, you know, payroll cycle was like $180,000. And I had $22,000 in the bank. And so, you know, it was a sleepless night. I said, what the hell am I going to do? How did I get here? Um, and I had to, like, figure a way out of that. You know, long story short, you know, I pulled everybody together and said, you know, we're not going to make payroll today. I, it's, I am promise everybody I'm going to make everybody whole. I don't know how long it's going to take. But anybody that wants to leave, I understand. You, uh, we will make you whole. Uh, but it's going to take us a couple of weeks or a month to figure this out. 
And most of our people stuck with us and we, we, we figured out a way out of it. But uh, it was my kind of like, I had to realize that like, this was my doing. I didn't see it coming. I didn't make the proper like cuts in time. I, I kind of like uh, had my head in the sand and it was a learning moment for me and, and luckily got through it. But uh, but business will do that for you. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Wow. What, what kind of um, daily mantras do you continue to tell yourself to keep yourself on the straight and narrow? Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, if, it wasn't, if it's not me for X, got to get up, got to kill it. Because if I don't, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. I'm going to let so-and-so down. Uh, another thing that I do is I've, I fast-forward the story one year forward. Mm-hmm. And so I try to say, okay, a year from today, if it looks exactly like today does, that's going to really suck. And so <laughs> – I got to figure out, okay, got to take action. Uh, got to execute this week. Got to do the things we've laid out. Got to like really get the stuff done because I don't want to be doing, I don't want to have the same sales number a year from now that I do today. I don't want to have the same feature set. I don't want to have the same uh, really challenges. Um, and so that, that is one thing I do continually to, to constantly remind myself to take action and get stuff done. And now looking forward, it's great that you're projecting. That's been a a somewhat recurring theme here, the visualization, the looking towards the future, the goal setting, and the taking action and just executing on what you visualize. Where where do you see yourself in 10, 20, 25 years? What's going to happen? Yeah, you know, like... The, the, like the selfish, like, uh, part of me sees myself, you know, on a big yacht somewhere in the Caribbean, you know, like that, that I still have that, but I, I, I like a thought in my head, but I know that once I get that, I'm not going to be happy. And so, cause I've kind of had it in a much smaller degree, you know, and so still have those thoughts, but, but like for me, like we're still, we still have so much further to go on this business. Yeah. We've got several hundred thousand people that use it. We're going to do $20 million in revenue this year and we're profitable. And so it's, it's going well, but it's still just day one. Like green pal needs to be the, in the lexicon of the English language uh, before we're done. Like, you know, you Uber to the airport. Oh, your grass is four feet tall. Just, just grab a green pal. And so we have a lot of work to do until that becomes a reality. And so that, that's what at a practical level still drives me. Do I have these, visions of like you know riding a private jet all over the world sure everybody does but i also kind of like am able to hold that 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 idea in my head with the other idea of like knowing that that's not gonna make you happy once you get it so like you know it's cool you have that idea and that dream but but really you know it's not gonna make you happy and so that's the stuff that goes through my head that rattles around up here. But you know, for me, like I've got this business going well, I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm enjoying it. Like I haven't worked a day in seven years. Uh, and so, and so I'm just going to stick with it cause I'm having fun. Wow. From blue collar to tech entrepreneur. Right. Wow. Wow. You certainly epitomize a success story. Do you feel that? Uh, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm capable of more. I'm going to keep going. Um, but, but so on the one hand, I feel like I'm capable of so much more. So I don't like, Oh, I'm successful. I don't feel that. But on the other hand, I I do to some degree feel like I'm the embodiment of the American dream because all I started with was a, was a crappy ass push mower and a weed eater. And I retired by the time I was 32 years old. And so I feel like if anybody is like sufficiently willing to just like gut it out in business, they can make something of themselves and make themselves financially independent. 
And so at a small degree, I feel like, okay, if a guy like me can make it, anybody can make it. And so I, I do like recognize that, but also on the other hand, like I've got so much further to go. Hmm. Uh, with that, as we wrap it up, Brian, for the person tuning in, what what can we leave them with? What still needs to be unsaid to to package this theme for them to go forward? You know, like business, anybody can succeed in business. Um, is you know, is everybody cut out to be an entrepreneur? Is are entrepreneurs born or are they or are they made? I don't know the answer to that. Um, if if you're listening to this, you're thinking about starting a business or you're in business. Um, like get in the game, like, cause only when you're in the game, can you win? And so like, if you live in America, we have this, this ability to, to improve our station in life through starting and creating our own business. Life is short. You only have, you only have so much time. Just, just do it and know it's going to take five years to get something going, but do it. You'll be glad you did. The time's going to go by anyway. Wow, you're speaking my language. <laughs> speaking my language. Uh, how do we get into GreenPal? Anybody listening to this that doesn't want to waste their weekend cutting their grass, just download GreenPal in the App Store or the Play Store. You can get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service in less than a minute. Uh, anybody wants to get at me, you can follow me on Twitter, Brian M. Clayton. Instagram, Brian M. Clayton. Hit me up on LinkedIn, or, or you can email me, brian at yourgreenpal.com. And you see, we started this conversation talking about the fact that you are guesting about one a day. And one of the things I always say is what I love about this industry on either side of the mic is that it's a completely learnable skill. You mm. can get better. Nobody is really born with these skills and techniques of being able to communicate, identify, talk about their message, be entertaining, uh, navigate through it. But Man, you, uh, you're obviously a pro, so thank you for, for showing up and uh, showing us. Oh, there's the humble coming out, right? Uh, I appreciate, appreciate that, man. Well, my, you should have seen my first couple. They really suck, so I appreciate that. Uh, I, you know, people are like, why do you do all that? And like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not what you get. It's what you become. And so you really do level up doing interviews like this, and I recommend that too. Wow, the man, Brian Clayton, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been extraordinary. This conversation is really going to sit with me for a long time. I appreciate you, Brian. I hey. appreciate everybody tuning in. We're going to do it again before too long. Thanks for spending your time. Go Thanks, get it. I appreciate you having me on. You got it, Brian. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.